Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now On this week's show, this is going to be our first attempt at the Beer Chef competition, where we take a homebrewed beer and put it up against a commercial example and see who wins. Think of it as like the Iron Chef of beer. So we have a beer this week from Cliff Sullivan, and we're going to taste his Lambic style ale. And we're going to have it tested by two BJCP certified judges. And we'll see how it goes this week on Homebrewing DIY. Welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the podcast that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing. Gadgets, contraptions, and parts, this show covers it all. On this week's show, we have a beer from Cliff Sullivan, where he has submitted it to our Beer Chef competition, where we are going to taste his Lambic-style ale, and we are going to put it up against the commercial examples in the BJCP guidelines. Then we're going to have it tasted by two BJCP certified judges, and we're going to see which beer is the winner. This is going to be a unique show for us and hopefully an ongoing thing. So we're going to sit back and enjoy and listen to this week's episode. But first, I'd like to thank all of our patrons over at Patreon. It's because of you that this show can come to you week after week. Head on over to Homebrewing DIY's Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash homebrewing DIY and give it any amount. Right now, you are listening to this episode early if you are a patron. And if you are not, you're listening to this show on a Thursday. Another way to support the show is to head on over to coffee. That's ko-fi.com forward slash homebrewing DIY. And you can give a one-time support. That support also helps the show. The last way to support the show is head on over to our website, homebrewingdiy.beer, and you can use our sponsor banners. Do your shopping at Adventures in Homebrewing by Brewfather or get a brew bag from brewinabag.com. And you can even get a new kegerator from Kegco. And in doing so, you're going to support the show and therefore you are going to help us come to you week after week so these are the great ways you can support the show remember our upcoming 
homebrew hack show which is the last show of the year is coming hard at you fast that's actually two weeks away so make sure you listen to that it is going to drop on new year's eve probably in most years not 2020 that would be a show that would probably get some traction after new year's eve but considering hey it is 2020 and there's not a lot of people out you know, if you if you if you want something to enjoy, enjoy the Homebrew Hack Show. So that is coming up at the end of this month, and it will be our last show of the year. So very very excited for that. Well, I'm gonna keep this kind of short and sweet. Let's just jump into this week's episode. We've it's kind of a long one, so we're gonna do the beer chef competition with Cliff Sullivan and his lambic style L. Today, I'd like to welcome Cliff Sullivan, Austin Grippen, and of course, recurring guest on the show, we have Ryan Packmeyer. Hi, hi everyone. So what we're we're, going to do is we're going to have our first attempt and our first go at at the homebrewing DIY iron beer competition. I'd like to thank Cliff Sullivan for taking the time to ship us a beer all the way from California. And we went out and purchased some commercial examples to compare his beer to. And he went with he went with a pretty hefty beer for our first one. We're going to do a Lambic style beer today. And I guess to start off, Cliff, why don't you tell us a bit about this Lambic style and what you were going for? Uh, truthfully, I was going for to I was trying to find out what the contributions to the um the fungus and bacteria I added would have to the beer. So this was a new one for me. Um, it's not a spontaneous firm or an ambient fermentation or anything like that. It's uh, It has lab organisms in it, but um, a lot that I weren't very familiar with. So I really just was going for a blank slate and I still don't really know how to judge this beer. So when I saw what you were doing, I figured, oh, this is a great opportunity to get some some more objective feedback because I know what I what I did to it, you know, but uh, you don't. <laughs> no, we don't. And and what we're going to. Comp- so we have Cliff's Lambic style beer here that we and he sent us three seven fifty. So I it, it I hope this beer is delicious, because if it is, I've got a lot of it to drink <laughs> by myself. My, my wife does like sour beer, so uh, I'll share some with her. We're, we're going to do a comparative to two other commercial examples today. So we're, we're going to compare this beer to Live in Ruins, which is a wild Saison style beer that is made by True Brewing here in Denver, Colorado. One thing that we're going to do as part of this, we Ryan and I and Austin are all from Denver. And so we want to put in, and Denver has great beer. So we're always going to put in a local example from a brewery for the commercials. And then we have the Goose Boon Vat 92, which is a barrel-aged Lambic beer. And this is, as far as I know, a, a, a great example of a Lambic-style beer. And yeah, that's just not fair on, uh, for me. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's pretty brutal. To... It, you know, it's the Bobby, Bobby Flay of uh, Lambic or Goose beer. It, it yeah, is. that's a ringer right there. It is. But that being said, we're we're gonna taste these beers and we're gonna see how it holds up. So, as as guests here in our judging panel today, 
I will, we're going to say that my judging doesn't matter. I am not BJCP certified. And to be honest, I think that I'm an okay beer taster. I am definitely not going to be somebody who has really studied the, 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 the process of beer tasting. But I do have Ryan Packmeyer here who has been on the show before. He is a BJCP certified judge. And then we also have Austin Grippen, who is also a BJCP certified judge. And he loves to brew lambic style beers so he is somebody who as a home brewer is a, in love and loves the style so let's start off should we start with the commercial examples and move to the homebrewed or should we start with the homebrewed and move to the commercial what are we thinking so i have all the samples blind numbered in cups <laughs> ah wow wow we, we we were gonna do blind and then I realized that there was no way for us individually to taste the same beer. And I was like, we should have thought about that. So that's why I was like, we'll just do it as a, as a panel versus a blind. So <laughs> you, you can let yourself in on what's, what's in your numbered cups. <laughs> do that. And in fairness, in, in the iron chef and many of those shows, they do uh, often know who is making the dish. It's true. It's true. There's no massive prize here. So I guess there's no, we'll be okay. Exactly. So what we're going to do is let, let's start, I, I, I guess let's do commercial first. We'll start with the, let's, let's go with the, the goes boon and then we'll, we'll go that way. And then we'll finish with the homebrewed example at the end. Okay. Sound, sound good to everyone. Yep. All right. Yeah. This is a corked bottle. So when's the last time you had this one, Austin? Um, I don't think I've ever actually had that 92 before i do drink i mean if i'm just filling a goose and i don't want to deal with buying anything expensive i mean normal boom goose is such a good go-to that's what i usually get that or the uh, cuvee renee yeah that's a great one too yeah i think i've only had the other boons like once or twice it's got that nice deep boom dark amber color to it all right, so we'll start with Austin. So tasting this based on the obviously BJCP style guidelines of the Lambic style beer. How does this hold up to those guidelines and what do you think? I mean, I think it holds up very well. It's definitely really smooth. I get a lot of vanilla actually from this. Um, but then there's that, you know, the really nice, like cheesy funk that comes up on the end. And then it's just kind of like a nice spice kind of going on for me personally. Um, I think that's also probably contributed from the wood overall. Yeah. I like this a lot. Um, I think it hits the guidelines pretty well. There's more barrel character than you get from a lot of them though. I think, um, yeah, I can get some of that vanilla too. Maybe like a kind of a light smokiness as well. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of them are more neutral than that, but this is interesting and uh, yeah, certainly a, a good beer to base the guidelines on. I think the guidelines are based on, let's see, I have it up in here, the um, the regular Goose Boon. Yeah. Yeah, that's the first thing named in the commercial examples, actually, <laughs> is the regular one. So that's not surprising at all. And I guess this one, being called Bat 92, I mean, this one is supposed to probably... Have a little more oak character. 
Yeah, I believe so. Which is, I think it's fresh oak, and that's what also contributes to the smokiness. But oh yeah, yep. Spices, smokiness, result of the oak fooder. Oak cask well, clearly contributing to the lambic aroma. Yeah, all right. That and I, I do get a slight tannin from the wood. It, it is very slight, but Definitely. you, you do mm-hmm. get that. I would say midway through it crossing the palate. It's it's not up front. It's not at the end. It's kind of in the middle there, and it's really when it, the the sourness on this is is very very slight. It it's oh oh it's there, but it's so subtle. It's it's very smooth. Yeah, it's very very smooth. Yeah, I... not tart in any way. Especially for eight percent, I think this is a dangerous winter beer. Yeah, yeah. yeah with that oak barrel and eight percent, it um, yeah, it's it's fuller, but it's just so smooth. It also it doesn't taste like an. It's not boozy at all. There's it almost feels like a four and a half or five percent beer, and that that's really where this beer is super dangerous. That's just a great beer. Absolutely. All right, guys, we ready to move on to True? Absolutely. It has been a while since I've had a 325 from them. Yeah. Same here. This is I also... think the last time uh, I had something from them was a clean beer. I bought their pills Same here. a few times. Same here. Last time I, I had a hazy IPA from them. <laughs> but I will say... This is a mixed culture a saison ale done in. It, it is also a uh, a fooder uh, a, a fooder fermented beer as well. And so I felt that as a local example and what was available to me, I felt that this was something that would hold up to the VAT ninety two. Well, I mean, this should be um, kind of like what Cliff did then, because yes. I mean, Cliff didn't spontaneously ferment it. Although, I mean. Boone didn't really spontaneously ferment it, right? I mean, they made the work and they put it in wood casks that were just filled with bugs, I'm sure. Or their cool ship, which is filled with bugs. So, in a way, they're kind of all the same. A little more of that kind of butyric smell on the nose, for sure, in this one. Definitely. I I get a touch of the like that horse blanket kind of smell definitely a more funk forward saison oh, yeah. from them oh yeah yep and the uh the sourness is much more assertive in this one whereas the boon one i mean when i think goose i really think of like this like refined depth complex balance um, but when I think of when I'm tasting this, it reminds me of like American sour beer almost. It, same um, here. Same here. It's very, very sour. I would say almost too sour. American wild I mean, it's ale. good though. And you can actually taste, uh, there's some kind of citrusy hops underneath this as well, which is uh, definitely different than what you'd get from something from Belgium. It's actually kind of ple- pleasant flavor though, to be honest. I continue, as I keep drinking it, I like it more and more. I, I, the hops are, I think, actually coming out more and getting more bright. 
Um, yeah. Definitely just kind of needed it. Well, it's kind of crazy when you think about how different these two beers are. Yet when you looked at the when I looked at the label, and I'm trying to figure out what's going to be good in this panel. <laughs> You're like, all right, the, these are made in similar ways, right? At, but in the end, they're really not. <laughs> so, well, they're also going for something different too. I'm sure True wasn't like, I want to make a classic goose beer, goose beer, when they made this. I'm sure they were just looking for fun flavors from the mixed culture, and they wanted to throw some hops in there as well to kind of give it a little more depth and uh, help balance it out. They definitely Especially are. A, yeah. a lot of, you know, Belgian style lambiques and, and stuff like that, I, I get a tannic bite to it. It's not a sour bite, but it's clearly tannic. And a lot of American examples of mixed culture, I've, you know, there's not the tannic astringency that's kind of pleasing in a lambic style. It's more culture driven and not tannin driven. I think I would 100% agree with that. Yeah, I mean, the first beer that came to mind when we were doing this locally, I was thinking like just a KC Saison or something. But um, that would have been more of a pain to procure, procure and it would have been more expensive too. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Which, which is funny because I could tell you right now, when you look at the VAT 92, this was not an inexpensive beer, right? Yeah. We're talking, it, it's, it's, not, it, it's a 500 milliliter. This isn't a, a full 750 or anything like that. But it was still in that fifteen to twenty dollar range. That's no, a three seventy five, man. Yeah, sorry, it's a three seventy five, not even a five hundred. <laughs> it's small. It's a it's a small bottle. And, you can get and, you can get the seven fifty of the regular Boongoos for cheaper than that. Yeah, exactly. And and so the idea is that it, when you look at it cost in comparison to things like a, a Casey, at least you're going to get a five hundred or a seven fifty even though you have the additional cost. So in all reality, it's probably pretty similar in price. I mean, Casey's not that much. I mean, what is a Casey Cezanne? Is it like 18 bucks or 20 bucks? I think it's like 18 to 20, yeah. depending on variety. And it would have... Although, I... Go ahead. I did a recent Funky Blender for like 16 bucks. Not bad. So... But I mean, yeah, when I think of like straight sour... Well, I guess fruited or unfruited from Colorado, like Casey's the one that really comes to mind first in my mind. But Drew makes some good stuff, and uh, there's several other people that are making good stuff. Black Project would have been a valid one to go with, but Black Project's not cheap. When you've got a dump rate of, you know, a lot of these spontaneous producers, they're dumping 30%, you know, right off the top. That That makes for a pretty high overhead, I think, for... Materials. Yeah, especially the more experimental guys. Like I'm sure someone like Casey's probably not dumping anywhere near that number at this point. Um, I would guess. I spent I about six or seven years doing a lot of spontaneous beers as a home brewer, and my dump rate was about fifty percent. You know, it was pretty. It was pretty brutal. The the, the that's probably my dump rate on those. I've mostly done projects, spontaneous projects with um, club members, like full barrel type things, and. Uh, yeah, I'd say about half of them were not up to what my standards would be. You know, too much vinegar, kind of obvious flaws like that, not into. Um, but I, I'd imagine guys like Troy Casey, though, they, they're so on top of their uh, production and best practices that they're, I bet their dump rate's probably like, I don't know, what do you think, 10, 15% maybe, Austin? Yeah, 
I think it probably is that low. He seems to really have that culture nailed down at this point. Yeah, but I mean, there's plenty of other breweries across the U.S. that I'm sure have dumped half their beers almost or a third of their. <laughs> I've heard so many stories Absolutely. or just served really shitty beer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we've all had I'm so many of those uh, sour producers that have served something that definitely should not have been bottled. <laughs> <laughs> Can't lose yeah, that money. Can't nice, lose that money. sour stout. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oof. I still have not had a sour beer with roasted malt that I have enjoyed. I like Nightmare on Brett, but I don't know if that has roasted malt in it. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. I don't, I don't think it's roasted either. It's been years since I had it, but I like that one. And uh, I know it has some chocolate in it. I remember that it had some kind of chocolate going on, but I'm not sure it had roasted, but that's a good one. That might be the one, actually. That would be another one to do. Cricket Stave would have been a good, uh, good example as well. They're so Brett forward, though, or at least they used to be. I haven't tried their spontaneous blends yet, but they did win a gold medal for one of them at GABF. I mean, they make great beer in general. Their clean beer is very good as well. I mean, those that that IPA uh, and that Keller Pils are both really. Uh, really oh, Von Pilsner's beers. delicious. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's move on to the third beer, and this is Cliff's beer, and I just cracked it, and this thing is definitely alive in the bottle (laughs) very very well but but that's good it means it's going to be very well carbonated uh i just cracked it it didn't it didn't it's not bottle bomb or anything like that but it's definitely growing out the top of my bottle i mean in my Uh, mind i don't know austin correct me if i'm wrong but in my mind you either serve these kind of still or you serve them like you know super sparkling at least that's that's been the way uh i've approached it before I mean, you know, the higher the carbonation generally is kind of what they're really shooting for. Um, I mean, that's why they have like uh, Dre Fontaine and has the, their decanters for sale. Like, hey, sometimes they get overcarbonated. Let them decant for a while. But yeah, I've I've had some of the primitive still stuff, which is interesting. I had one of their uh, one of their beers at uh, Outer Range, and it was really good. But I haven't, I haven't gone up there, and I haven't had their uh, out-of-the-plastic bag kind of thing. <laughs> I think I actually had it at Big Beers. Uh, very pretty beer. Colors, yeah. beautiful. This is carved to about, I think, almost five volumes. So. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It's the thick bottle. <laughs> Champagne. Yeah. It does kind of have that the nice sparkling over the tongue. Great, like high carbonation bite to it. Nice kind of funky barnyard smell. A little bit of that butyric sort of uh, smell in there as well. And the nose. I have to say when I pour this beer, it's just beautiful. You you pour it into the glass and it's got it's so sparkling, it's clear. It's got that beautiful golden straw color to it. It's 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 got this foamy white head that just sparkles up like champagne and then dissipates. It's it's a Cliff, this is a beautiful beer. Oh, thank you very much. I agree. And I'm going to agree yeah, with I, Honestly, 
really balanced. It has the nice kind of like cheesy funk going on. It's very drinkable. Yeah, I mean, I think it's closer to the Boone than the True. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it kind of has some elements of both almost. Like it, um, the Boone tastes a little more older, more aged, um, whereas the True tastes more fresh and has the hops. This is kind of, uh, you know, seems kind of somewhere between. It has a lot of that fresh flavor in there, but it has the sophisticated uh, complexity that the Boone has. It dries out really nicely at the end of every sip, too. There's yeah. no really overlooking bitterness, you know, from too many, just using too much hop in the original brew, but. Yeah, I feel like I'm tasting hops in it, though. It's not like the true one where you get like that citrus kind of thing, but I'm getting kind of that, I think some of that earthiness there and some of that bitterness there is from a little bit of hops, a little more than the boon, probably. Because um, I'd be hard pressed to find any hops in the boon. I agree. Uh, just to recap, I would say pretty much the consensus is that this beer, first of all, is is a beautiful beer. It's uh, a perfect pale straw color, has a, a white head that dissipates quickly, is very effervescent. I, I think that from what both of these guys have said is it's the right balance of hops to to sourness and it's it's got this it, it, a very clean dry finish is that a good absolutely yeah the flavor is very pleasant on that dry finish as well um i was saying before it's it's sophisticated like the boon but it has a lot of fresh flavor like the true um and you get just a little hint of that kind of earthy hop hopness in there um bitterness and hop flavor uh which you don't get in the boon but it's not a, inappropriate at all it's actually nice I mean, the Boone uses, I think, the oak barrel and oak flavor to kind of help balance everything. Um, and I think you used, like a lot of traditional gooses use, um, a little bit of hop flavor. There's a little bit of hop balance in there. Very nice, though. I like it a lot. It is definitely a little bit more, um, has a little bit more of that lactic acidity there, I would say, than the Boone goose. But it's not overbearing. It's very delicate. Um, yeah. No, no lactic acid bacteria in that at all. So um, there's a lot of lactic sourness, but I don't know if you want me to tell you about the beer at all or anything to kind of. Now, now's the time. Let, let's talk Perfect. about how, like, let, let's dive into how you made this beer because I, I got to admit, for a home brewed lambic example of beer, this is right up there. It is a really good beer, and so I, I, I'm curious. I want to know how you made it. So the the grain bill is pretty simple. It's just 70-30. Um, it's a blend of pills and pale malt and um, flaked wheat. Uh, four ounces of aged hops. Um, the mashing just to a single infusion mash uh, at about 160 degrees for about 20 minutes. Um, and, and a short boil, just a 60-minute boil. Um, what makes it unique is this beer doesn't have any Saccharomyces, Britannomyces, Pediococcus, or Lactobacillus in it. So it's um, it's fermented with from a I'm not associated with a yeast bank from a yeast bank uh, from a yeast lab over in Maine, and it's fermented with um, he calls it alternatives to alternatives. So when I when I read about it, I was super curious, but it's it's a blend of lactic acid producing yeasts and um, and some other alternative microbes like um, Debaromyces and Wickerhamomyces, um, things that will ferment wort, but 
and produce acid as well as ethanol and carbon dioxide, but aren't typically the main drivers of fermentation. But in this case, he put together a blend and um, I was just really curious what it would do. So I put this beer together a couple years ago and it's been, it aged for about a year in primary around 60 degrees. And then it's been in the bottle for about a year. So the two year aged uh, single batch. Yeah, just a single batch. Yeah, it was just a, okay. a small pitch. So I just threw it in a carboy and. Interesting. So technically, well, I guess the um, the boon. Did we lose him again? No, I'm here. We lost Austin this time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the boon goose that we have uh, was brewed in late 2014 and bottled at the end of 2016. Um, so yeah, yours. I mean, it makes sense. Yours tastes fresher than the Boone. The Boone is a little older, um, less acidity. That might be because of your blend, or it might be because of the age. I'm guessing it's because of the blend, though. Interesting stuff. Wow. Yeah. So just just kind of knowing that, um, you know, the the beer was made with this kind of non traditional, uh, you know, organisms. I kind of it's cool to get a, a third party evaluation to kind of see if. You know, my brain brain plays tricks on me when I'm trying to evaluate a, my own beer. You know, it's it's pretty much impossible. But um, what are your thoughts on it, Cliff? You know the the acid. It doesn't have kind of like the 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 complex acidity that that I feel you get from a lot of uh, lambic style beers. You know, you don't get that wine like acidity, that rounder acid profile. To me, the acid's a little little sharp, kind of more like um, sweet tarts, I guess, as opposed to full and round like you'd get in like a fine wine or or some of the better lambics sweet tarts versus starburst as what i would say yeah yeah trying them um, side by side i can see that totally as well i know that some um the debaromyces and the workahamomyces from what i've heard from from lab folks it's it's kind of similar to britannomyces in in some of the flavors it it produces Okay. And then um, this has a lot of uh, picia in it, which is another weird little little bug that creates a lot of precursors that uh, that makes some pretty nice flavors um, in the the end product. So I was surprised the amount of kind of traditional funk that's in it for non traditional funk producing things. So yeah, it's a it's a cool beer. Yeah. yeah what, what, what's the ABV on this beer? Uh, it's almost eight percent. So the the OG was ten fifty eight, and it it fermented bone dry. So, um, I would swear it's four and a half five, right? And I think yeah. this is this, this acid profile is just asking to like put raspberries or something with it or cherries. I mean, yeah, I thought the same thing. Yeah, that it'd be a really good fruit fruit beer. Perfectly fine on its own. I mean, uh, the only time I've judged like European sours has been at big beers a few times. Um, and after two times, I've decided not to judge European sours on a weekend of a beer <laughs> festival, but <laughs> um, I mean this, I, I could totally see this meddling. I mean, that's a stiff competition. And uh, I mean, you, you won that last year, didn't you Austin? Was it European sours at you? Uh, no, I won for American wild. Ale. American wild. Okay. But uh, yeah, judging European sours. I mean, I would not be surprised if this placed in the top three, if it were, uh, you know, depending on what's out there, but yeah, it's really good. Cool. Absolutely. It's, it's a beautiful beer. Um, I mean, trying it side by side next to the Boone, I think it falls just short. The Boone has just a little too much depth and complexity, but I mean, what do you expect? The fact that it's even, I mean, I'm drinking them side by side and liking them both. The fact that 
I can even do that is a pretty good testament to this beer. Yeah, cool. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, now personally, me, I'm not a big sour drinker, and you know, I, I do drink sours occasionally, but it's, it's not a, a type of beer that I personally seek out. Uh, I'm more of a, a traditional kind of dry saison style is is more of my kind of european style but i have to say this beer that you've made cliff is a beer i could actually see myself sitting down drinking the 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 acidity isn't something where and and probably because of just the way that beers are made here in the states i feel like they go for acidity for acidity's sake they they try to punch you in the face with it it's it's kind of like how I, I think it's just really the way Americans make beer in general. We like to, if we have hops, let's pump up hops, right? If we're going to have bitterness, it's got to have a thousand IBUs in it. If it's going to have juiciness, it's going to be the juiciest thing that it looks like orange juice. It's going to be sour. It's got to be as sour as sour gets. Like there's no subtlety to American styles of, of sour beer. And I have to say this beer is so well balanced and, and I'm, blown away that it is actually a very non-traditional uh culture of of different yeasts and bacterias that aren't normally used to make beer because i feel like this does hold up to very traditionally brewed styles of beers and holds up really well and the fact that you threw that surprise in there to me is is kind of mind-blowing because yeah, how did you find out about that, Cliff? Tell us more about uh, how you found out about this yeast blend. You know, I just, the Milk the Funk uh, Facebook group, you know, I've kind of been participating in it for the, I, I've kind of fallen out for the last couple of years. I've just kind of gotten off Facebook in general. But um, one of the members there kind of opened up his opened up his own yeast lab over in Maine, and he kind of made a post about this. It just looked really interesting because I'd, I'd heard about and played with some of these um some of these things in beer, but never to this extent to where they were the driving force behind a fermentation, you know, um, picky is in a lot of stuff, but it's, it's always in with Saccharomyces and Brett and things like that. Um, so yeah, just on, on milk, the funk, he, he put it together and he, and I, uh, I ordered a few years ago just out of curiosity and was kind of blown away. I, it, it fermented to dryness in like a week, which was, you know, Kind of blew me away how how fast it was, um, mm-hmm. and um, he you know he says that depending on the the carbon sources and stuff in beer that it can do a lot of different things. So this unfortunately was the only beer I played with it. I just kind of life got in the way. But um, does he still uh, sell it? Pardon? Does he still sell the uh, yeast strain? I, I think so. Um, I actually pulled up his website and um, yeah, maniacal yeast labs um i've heard of them yeah yeah if you're on you know the if you search milk the funk on facebook uh you'll find it yeah i'm in that group as well yeah he's an awesome information source awesome yeah we'll have to check that out maybe Coulter, you can link that in the uh the description or the the notes of the episode yeah i'll i'll link i'll link that yeast lab do you know what the actual yeast blend is called it's called alternatives to alternatives so it's, uh, it's a good yeah, name. An alternative to the alternative. <laughs> Appropriate name. <laughs> yeah. 
And he has a great um, if you if you go on his website, you click on the home the uh, pro brewers link. He's got this great Excel spreadsheet um, that kind of will go into details about what's in the blend. There's a ton of stuff in it. Um, nice. Yeah, next to the true one, I think it comes down to subjectivity. Really, if we were just judging this against the true, totally could go either way. And I like the true one as well, but. I mean, that hoppiness in the true is pretty heavy and apparent, so it just goes down to what you like. Um, yeah, I yeah, agree. both of those are good. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, I like to fall on one side or the other, and against the true, I go with Cliff's beer all day. I think it's a, a better, and it's a better made beer. I mean, if I was in the in the mood for a goose straight Lambic, I, I agree with you. Um, the hoppiness is fun in the true, though, but yeah, it's, it's, it's totally different. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> if it was if it was a competition BJCP uh, and you're talking about the the goose category or something like that, um, yeah, Cliffs would definitely overtake it easily. Yeah, many people would disqualify the true beer for hops, but that's not uh, <laughs> that's not necessarily what it's about either. Yeah, I I did look up the true hops. Uh, they use Saz, Mandarina, and Magnum. Oh, okay. So. Huh. I definitely get the mandarina, and I definitely get some like pepperiness from the saws. Mm-hmm. That floral bit that I was getting is probably saws as well. Huh? Interesting. I wonder why they use magnum. I mean, usually you use magnum for like a clean bitterness, but you don't usually. Well, need yeah, that. That, there's not that's much. Probably where you could get that bitterness from, though. You you kept saying, "Hey, I keep getting bitterness from the hops." I mean, magnum's well, a really high alpha acid. Yeah. But I mean, I'm mostly getting flavor on the hops and just, it doesn't take a lot of hops in like a goose lambic style beer to be obvious. I mean, if you put like a traditional 15 IBUs in the beer, it's going to taste totally wrong. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it gets blown out. That's why I'm surprised that there's magnum in this. Yeah. So quick question for you. You you did say there were ancient hops. Do you know what the the hop bill is of those aged hops? Um, No, I, I think they're like Mount Hood from 2000 five or something um i'd have to check the bag but uh they're just in matter the bag point, in my yeah. storage yeah they've lived there forever so is that what you do with yours austin you just use old hops or do you buy, have to buy old hops or do you do something else uh sometimes i buy old hops sometimes i just buy way too many hops and then i end up with old hops there you go i've got I a couple sitting out in the closet that have uh, sat there for years and a couple more in the freezer that have sat there for years so <laughs> At least in the freezer, yeah, they last definitely. a lot longer. <laughs> do you uh, do you store them? Do you, do you store them in the freezer as well, then, Austin, or do you just keep them out when you're using old hops for these kind of beers? If it's going to be old hops, I just leave them out. I currently have hops out in like my storage unit in the backyard. Nice. Just being like, you just do what you want to do. Yeah. I mean, it's just there for the antibacterial properties, right? Yeah, exactly. Not really looking for flavor so or bitterness or bitterness you're 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 trying to actually tone that down for a sour beer <laughs> yeah what, what, what is it don't go, don't go over 10 ibus 10 ibus is too much <laughs> i mean the sour is supposed to balance the alcohol instead of the hops so that's yeah. what you end up kind of it's like a replacement almost all right so let, let's let's talk about the iron beer challenge that we do have here which is basically we we've got Cliff Spear that he had submitted as a lambic style ale, and then we are going up against the uh, Goose Boon Vat ninety two, and if we were to take those two, you know, what would you say, Ryan, of the Vat ninety two versus 
the beer that was given to us by Cliff, which one would you go for? I'm going to edge the VAT 92 um, just because they added depth and complexity that it has. Um, but they're both in the discussion. And if you add the true in there, I'd probably take Cliff Spear as number two. So, um, yeah, that's that's the way I see it. Awesome. Austin, your your thoughts? Yeah, I feel the same as Ryan. Uh, the Boon Goose is just very complex. I mean, he's been doing it for so long. It's a little bit unfair. And it is like go-to goose for me. So, <laughs> and the Fat 92 is delicious. But I agree with Ryan that, um, yeah, Cliff Spear is number two for me. I, I like the Drew, but really for, you know, it's the middle of the road. It's delicate. It's balanced. I could, I can drink a 750 of this most likely. Awesome. If you were judging this beer in a competition, what, what score could you see Cliff Spear getting? High thirties, low forties, I'd say. I guess out of fifty, usually, yeah. BJCP usually, you can sometimes. I think the lowest score I've ever got that's meddled is like low thirties. Um, but fifty is like a perfect score. But most most people will never give a perfect score, no matter what it seems like. Um, <laughs> so usually, if you get low forties, you at least get a medal. So I'd say like high thirties, low forties, um, which could be enough to win a competition uh, in its category. It could be enough for bronze, just depending on what. Uh, other beers fall on it. That's that's. Yeah. There's no like obvious fault here where I'd say like you need to really improve X, Y, or Z. Yeah, I don't have like real specific critiques. I mean, it's, this is really how the fermentation went, how the beer turned out, and I think it's delicious and enjoyable. So it's really tough to say you know what I would really you know say to improve upon in next iterations because I also haven't messed around with this very unique yeast culture. It's almost like drinking an IPA that's really good, and it may not be the best IPA you've ever had, but it's a very good IPA, and you're not going to sit there and say, like, X, Y, or Z is wrong. It's just like, you know, maybe a different hot blend could make it slightly better, um, and many other hot blends can make it worse. So, um, yeah, it's very good, very good beer. Cliff, do you have any questions for these guys? No, man. It's, I'm glad you guys like it. It, it was super fun uh, beer for me to make. Um, Definitely like to play with the culture more. I'd love to see what this would do with with wood and oak, you know, because this was just an all glass fermentation. So, um, yeah, a little bit of wood and definitely some fruit would be fun. The only thing that scares me about this that that lactic acid yeast, you know, it's not really inhibited by hops, you know. So if once it's in your brewery, you're gonna know it's in your brewery. So um, I, I'm not sure I want to put this in a barrel that I ever want to reuse for something else, just in case the acidity gets just completely away from me. There's no way to dial it back. Sure. Yeah, I I definitely understand that. I try to keep my culture as tame as possible. But, you know, that doesn't always work out. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, putting something like oak chips in uh, these kind of beers? I've never done it personally. We've only done barrels. But I don't know. You guys might have experience with that. I used to use them. I... Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I only use oak chips or oak cubes in stouts. I've never tried them in any in any mix firm style beers. Yeah, that's the same for here. Yeah, when I made wine, you know, we we used a lot of oak cubes and oak spirals just to save try and extend the life of a barrel a little bit and put more uh, put more oak into the wine. But I've never really messed with them with beer too much. 
Yeah, I wouldn't put fresh oak, obviously, but I'm just wondering if you can kind of replicate the process by throwing uh, oak that's almost completely used up, so you just get a little tiny character from it. I guess it'd be hard to go between neutral, not doing anything, and actually doing something, since the oak is often, the barrel is often a holding vessel for these kind of beers, more than anything. There's some oak powders out there that are really interesting that are actually meant to be added um, at primary fermentation for wines. Those probably give up way too much tannin, though, right? And no character is my guess. My guess, but I, uh, you know, I, I've just, I, I, I just heard from them for about a, from a winemaker like a, a few weeks ago. But it's kind of interesting that supposedly it adds a lot of, um, you know, vanillins and a lot of smoother, rounder tannic flavor as opposed to the kind of the more harsher, um, you know, kind of tan bark type character. So, um, hmm. I don't know. Something I've, I've wanted to play with with beer is, you know, adding getting a hold of some of this oak powder and adding it, you know, at, at yeast pitch and kind of seeing what it does. Cause you know, seeing what the vanillins and the oak do when they're um, put into primary fermentation, see if there's any transformation that goes on. Interesting. Hmm. Well, thank you for sharing this beer. Uh, this is excellent cliff. Good one to, uh, you know, start the inaugural uh, beer chef episode. I, I agree. This is this was a a beer that when when he was like, yeah, I'm gonna send you a lambic beer. I was like, man, we're we're going we're going with a we're. I, I was thinking like a cream ale, but we'll, we'll go with a lambic. <laughs> I, was, I was just hoping it wasn't gonna be like, you know like a vinegar bomb kind of thing. <laughs> no, was far from it. This was an amazing beer. Yeah, the complete so, opposite. Yeah, I I I actually uh, Cliff in in our conversations just me and Ryan talking back and forth together. I actually was like, no man, we're going to get homebrewers to send us good beers. And uh, <laughs> thank you for making me right today. <laughs> Cheers. Glad I could do it. Glad you liked it. Awesome. So just to, to wrap this up, uh, thank you so much for being part of this and, and taking the time and effort to ship this beer out to us and, and letting us taste it. This is wonderful. I am going to send you a scrubber ducky set. So after this, just get me your address. You can just DM me it in uh, discord and I'll get it sent out this week. And, uh, you know, that's just my way of saying thank you for taking the time to be part of the show. Awesome. Thanks for judging. I, I appreciate it. Now we're going to jump into some of our feedback. First, I'd like to read some feedback that I got on discord. This is some feedback from machine whisperer. I thoroughly enjoyed the episode 64 rerun of the Brew Pride remix. I may go that way eventually. How many homebrewers out there thought have bought enough parts to make five inch ice spindles, but have only made a couple? That's where I'm at. I cannot justify spending the money on controls when I have so many other higher priority things to buy. I cobbled together an electric keggle and a controller on the cheap and it works great. And by my next build, I'm going to be more automated for an electric brew in a bag kettle controller based on the leftover Webmost D1 minis and the runs to the Voda Ties Brew Mechanics ESP8266. It is amazing how much you can do with it with that little board. It's designed to use an LCD 2004 display and a four button keypad, but also has a web server interface. I will upload the beer XML file and then set itself up accordingly. 
The PID has an auto-tune feature too, and it looks pretty powerful as I got mine operational on a keyboard using a D1 Mini. Three transistors, three resistors, a cheap KY-019 relay, and the pups up from a buzzer, and an SSR for the element. I've already had a corded DS1-8B20 probe in the thermal well, but that looks like it's going to get started and it had a keypad LCD and an IO expander later. I wanted to put that in the detachable 3D operated control panel, 3D printed operator control panel. How about this episode about brewing with the ESP8266? Maybe I could help after I get mine done in brewing. And, you know, Machine Whisperer, I would say, great. If, if you've built all of this using an ASP8266, I would love to have you come on the show. I'd love to have that conversation. I also did give him some feedback that he should look at Fermentrack as a good controller. Also, um, because it does use the D1 Mini as the controller. And also to look at BrewBlocks, even though you do have to buy the hardware for that, it is a pretty built-out hardware system, and it does do both fermentation and a, a brewery. So those were some some advices of some projects to look into. But that being said, I would say Machine Whisper, you go out and you've built this controller out of all of these ESP8266, and you turn it into an open source project. I'd love to have you on the show. We'd love to talk to you about it. So, uh, yeah. I have one more piece of feedback from Milwaukee too. And he said, so I was, and this was also from our discord server. So, you know, this is a great place to come and interact with the show. Love the discord server, but this is what I heard from Milwaukee too. So I was reminded today of one of my one time, all time favorite beers, which has since been retired from a local brewery. And it was a beer called Lightburn from Lakefront Brewery. And here's what he said. As I remember, if fondly if as I remember it fondly and lamented that I would likely never taste it again, I thought, why not brew it? Does anyone here have a recipe that I could find? And I know that I might have some trial and error, but I wanted to find a decent starting point. And the style of beer that this is is actually a Doppelbock and you know uh, Ryan and I kind of hopped in and we were like hey Milwaukee check out maybe the German Brewing Facebook group but then he he actually responded to us later and was like hey I reached out to the brewery and they were kind enough to share the recipe sheet and here's his scaled down version and he shared it with me and this looks like a really solid Doppelbock recipe so what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to take this shared recipe and I'm going to add it to this week's show notes for a Doppelbock. And this is a clone recipe for the uh, Lightburn from Lakefront Brewery. So just if, if, if you're curious about this beer, hop on, check out the show notes uh, on the website, homebrewingdiy.beer, and there we'll actually have uh, the recipe in beer XML so you can just download it and import it right into your brewing software. So one last thing, if you if you do want to leave us feedback, you can always send us an email to homebrewingdiy.beer. Just head over to our website and click on the contact banner, or you can send an email over to 
podcast at homebrewingdiy.beer. Either way, you're going to get it to us. Another way to submit us feedback or just to talk to us is if you go to the website homebrewingdiy.beer, hit the join the discussion tab, that will get you access into our Discord server. And there you can interact with not only me, but all the other brewers that are in this community. It's a good time. It's a it's a small but growing community of homebrewers that are on Discord, and we love just chit-chatting about beer. So it's a, it's a good time. I'd like to thank Cliff, Austin, and Ryan for all taking the time to hop on a video call and to record it and to really sit down and do this chef beer beer chef competition. It was it was a really fun time. I enjoyed the beers that we tasted, and man, it, it was a really good time. I was so surprised at how good Cliff's beer was. Not that I didn't think he was going to send us a good beer. I, I kind of knew we were going to get great beers here, but Cliff, this was a really great example of a wonderful beer that you'd made us. So I want to thank you for doing that. You can find Homebrewing DIY on all the socials. So head out to Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just look for all one word at Homebrewing DIY. We're there. Interact with us. Talk to us. We'd love to hear from you. Well, that's it for this week. We'll talk to you next week on Homebrewing DIY. <laughs>